The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the House of Hardcore podcast, Tommy Dreamer! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of Hardcore podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dreamer, and this week, I got my friend, Jay Vidal. How are you, buddy? I am doing fantastic, Tommy. Life is good. You see, my skin's looking soft. It's looking good. That means life is good. How you doing? Uh, my body's looking soft, so I don't know if that means it's good on my end, but uh, that's all right. I got one arm left. Uh, you do look good. You look jacked. Oh, yeah. That's you know, but somebody the usually tells you. Um, all right. I ask every single person when they're on this show, what got you hooked in the lovely world of professional wrestling? Oh man. Um, so it was actually my brother who was the, the wrestling fan. I remember I was about four years old and I went out into the living room and he was watching SmackDown. This is like 2001. And I believe Big Show was giving a double choke slam to Kai and Ty. And once I saw that, I was just like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. And after that, I would just watch it religiously. Like he stopped watching it, but I always continued watching it every Monday uh, for Monday Night Raw. And then every Thursday for SmackDown, which then turned into Friday Night SmackDown. So ever since then, I just... I never stopped watching it. Even to this day, I still watch it as a fan. So do I. Um, did you have a favorite? Yes. Uh, I had three favorites because it was always hard for me to pick. Eddie Guerrero, Jeff Hardy, and Shawn Michaels. Those are uh, three pretty damn good favorites to uh, pick. And uh, like for wrestling, like how did it... When you say, like, for me, I knew at 10, this is exactly what I wanted to do in my life. Is that kind of the same way for you? Or, like, did you say, I want to do this? Or is just something you're you're interested in? No, I, um, I was the same exact way. Ever since I was a little kid, I would tell anybody that would listen, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Um, I would go visit my family because I was actually born in Puerto Rico. And every summer and every winter we'd go back to Puerto Rico and I would bring a bunch of these, uh, the wrestling toys with me. Like instead of packing clothes, I had a whole bag with just, uh, the wrestling toys. And every time I'd see my family over there, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And it's funny. Um, when I was 14, I sat my parents down and I said, listen, I'm going to get through high school. 
I'm going to graduate. But once I graduate, I'm going to train to be a professional wrestler. And yeah, lo and behold, you know, I actually, I actually ended up doing it. Did they say you're no Carlos Cologne? <laughs> well, actually, fun fact, my last name is Cologne, but it's no relation to the Cologne family. So that's one of the main reasons why I don't use the, the Cologne name. I'm like, you know, I feel like it'd be blasphemy. Good, good call. Um, so then how do you go about uh, your training? Uh, so I was living down in South Florida at the time in Miami. And this is like when you would do a Google search on the internet, the only thing that would come up uh, for wrestling schools would be like uh, Landstorms Wrestling Academy in Canada or Texas Wrestling Academy. And one day I just, I was 18, I graduated high school and I was just really depressed. And I didn't know why. And I just thought to myself, I'm not happy. So what can I be doing to make myself happy? I said, I want to be a professional wrestler. I said, that's what I was going to do. I need to like, you know, start getting the ball rolling on that. So I end up um, Googling wrestling schools near me and a new one popped up and it was coastal championship wrestling down in South Florida. And I contacted the promoter there. He said, hey, this is the, he gave me the old, hey, brother, uh, this is how we do things. Da, da, da. You got the money, right? Like you, this is how much it is. You got the money, right? I said, yeah, I got the money. Perfect. Come down to school tonight. I go down to the school and the head trainer over there is uh, Gangrel, David Heath. And it's funny because I always tell this story. He was uh, walking in front of my car. It's kind of a sketchy neighborhood in South Florida. And I didn't expect him to be there. So, you know, gang girls walking in front of my car. I'm a huge fan growing up. And I'm like, I mouth off. I'm like, holy sh. And he looks at me and he's like, what the F are you looking at? And he's walking. His <laughs> and uh, I ended up uh, parking my car and staying there for like 10 or 15 minutes. I'm like, is this actually what I want to do? Is he going to, you know, kick my ass when I get in there? Like, is this how the business is? But I got in there. He ends up being the nicest guy. And yeah, that just that started getting my training going. Did he have his vampire teeth? He didn't have his vampire teeth, but I feel like even when he doesn't, like he still got like those two front teeth right here, which kind of go down a little bit. So to me, he's always a vampire. In your head, did you hear the broods music as he was walking by? Pew, pew. Pew, pew. What are you looking at? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he had the little, you know, he had the little limp and everything, and yeah, I even like I even felt like I saw fire. It got really hot. I felt like I saw fire around. Nice. He is. He could be a bit of the devil. Uh, he's a vampire. Um. So you go through training, and cool that you have Dave as your uh, trainer. Very very underrated trainer. I feel. Um. I've I've known a few people that he's produced, and they're all excellent. Uh with their fundamentals. And really I'm glad his school is doing well because Dave came up the right way. I mean, he paid his dues many times over um, and like still goes out there. And even when his back was, this is recently is, is hurt. He's still out there taking bumps um, and he works super duper hard. I've wrestled him and he's always taking that big bump on the floor. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Cause I don't know. I just feel good. Kind of like when you take that guardrail, just it, it doesn't hurt, but it hurts. And I was like, yeah, I get that part. Um, all right. So now you're coming up. Were you mainly like um, uh, Florida, like uh, indie guy? 
Yeah. So Florida Indies are so weird. Even to this day, they're really weird in that there isn't a lot of them. And the few that there are is like, you got to know somebody to get in there. Uh, so I was just doing, well, I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit. So I started my initial, I guess, wrestling career in 2016. Uh, the, Dave Heath was just the trainer at the school, but he wasn't the promoter. The promoter didn't let us actually work anywhere else. Uh, Yeah. So my first two years in wrestling, I was only wrestling uh, in front of people maybe once every other month or so. And so, cause he would just tell us like, I want greener grasses for you guys, brother, but greener grasses is WWE greener grasses, impact wrestling and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, as a new guy, you don't know that. You need to go out there and get experience. Uh, finally, about two years later, uh, Dave Heath ends up leaving and I leave with him and he opened up a gang girls wrestling asylum. And that's when he was like, listen, I don't care what that other promoter told you. I need you guys to go out there and, you know, work other places. Even if it's a bad indie, um, you'll still learn something from a bad match. So I end up... Um, doing smaller indie shows in Florida for about a year and a half or so about three years into my uh, career by this point. And I just thought to myself, I need to take a bet on myself and move somewhere completely different. So I wrote down lists of places that I wanted to move. And I just kept pointing at one of them and saying, this one resonates the best with my soul. So I wrote down like San Diego, Ohio, and um, Las Vegas. And the Las Vegas one just felt right. And I talked to Dave. I was like, I'm thinking about moving. He said, okay, where do you want to move to? I said, Vegas. He said, don't worry about it. I'll hook you up with Sin Bodhi over there. So he hooked me up uh, with Sin Bodhi, uh, formerly known as uh, Kazarni in WWE. Mm-hmm. And um, I end up, getting training with him over here uh, in Vegas at Future Stars Wrestling. And that's when I actually really started to see my career, you know, kind of take off a little bit. Because with Vegas, uh, California is a close drive-by. Arizona is a close drive-by. And people are more willing to fly you out of Vegas because it's cheaper. So It's a smart move. like, uh, And also like the fact that you there's a lot of wrestling in Florida, like you said, um, you know, with NXT being there and, you know, okay, but then how do I stand out? How do I go about like this thing on on the indies? Where's the most centrally located place that you can find to get you booked? Um, Which is hell of a smart move, man. Uh, A lot uh, braver than I was uh, at the same age. Um, But I think by that time I was already like, just about starting ECW, but I mean, that that's cool that you had the foresight to do that because a lot of talent don't, and it's just like, they want to get their, they're content in where they're at. And I mean, I always say, you got to set goals for yourself. Like, where do I want to be here, here and here? Um, so it's really, really cool that you did that. And um, so you're doing a lot of stuff and, and it's also cool for like the, as big as the wrestling business is, is also as, you know, tight as the wrestling business is that Gangrel is going to put his name on you to help you with sin. Cause the moment you said Vegas, I was like, Oh yeah, Dave lived there. And so like, then he hooks you up. 
So you already like have these connections with close people, even though they're across, you know, the United States from each other that, hey, this is my guy. He's going to work hard for you, blah, blah, blah. So that's uh, very, very cool um, by Mr. Gangrel. See, not all vampires are bad. Um, so that's cool that you, you did that. And then, I mean, with FSW, I know I've done seminars there. They're running a lot. Of course, then the pandemic hits. What do you do as an independent wrestler when the pandemic hits? So that's a really weird thing. So when I moved to Vegas, I literally had three or yeah, I had three thousand dollars in my pocket. I my car broke down maybe a week and a half before I moved out there. And I still said, I'm going to move out there. I'll just buy a plane ticket. So I bought a plane ticket. I packed all my stuff. And I flew to Vegas, not knowing anybody, just knowing that I would meet up with Sin Bodhi at Future Stars of Wrestling. And I put some money down to live in a month by month uh, place uh, called Seagull Suites, which is honestly just like a really crappy uh, <laughs> uh, motel. You got to pay either weekly or monthly to stay there. Right. And um, so around the time that the pan, that was in 2019, uh, July 2019. Now it's March of 2020. The ball's finally rolling a little bit. I'm starting to see uh, what indie bookings look like. I'm getting booked in California, getting booked in Arizona and Vegas. And it felt like, okay, I'm starting to actually do this. I got a regular, um, a decent regular job uh, dealing cards at a casino. And as all this is looking good, um, the COVID-19 happens. When COVID-19 happens, uh, everything starts getting shut down. And I was renting a room at a house. And the guy who uh, I was renting a room from was like, all right, so if you can't pay rent, you got to leave. And I said, okay, that's understandable. Can I give you uh, my stimulus check when I get it? I'll just give you my whole check. Let me just stay with my current paycheck so that I can pay for food. And he's like, we don't know if the stimulus is going to be real or not. You got to leave if you can't pay rent. I was like, all right, fair enough. I called my dad up and I moved back to Florida for about six months. Um, Dave Heath was what called, running what was called a, like kayfabe classes. You were only allowed like three or four people there at a time. So uh, we just ended up kind of doing really, really uh, small classes over there during Fight COVID. Club, bro, you can't talk about it. No, no, talk about it here. No evil, see no evil, speak no evil. It never happened. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so we ended up um, still got my training going in Florida. I was felt really lost because it was such a strange time. Uh, but once everything slowly started opening back up, um, I ended up moving back to Las Vegas. And we're looking at like August of 2020 at that point. I fly back out to Vegas. I was happy to have been a couple months uh, back with uh with Dave because, man, he's so big on like those, fund like you said, the fundamentals, the footwork. And by that point, I'd started doing my Jay Vidal gimmick, which is just me turned up to a thousand. <laughs> um, before I moved over, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To Vegas, I wasn't doing it. So he helped me on how to portray the character the best. He was like, you know, you're going to do this flamboyant character, but you're not just going to be flamboyant. You're going to be a killer. All right. When the bell rings, you're ready to go. You're a wrestler. I trained you to be a wrestler. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So um, I end up getting my, furthering my training more with him. I move over to, to Vegas, back to Vegas. And by this point, things are like fluctuating between staying open and staying closed because one week uh, things would like open back up to like 50% capacity. Next week they would close. The cool thing about that though, was that FSW was one of the few places that was still actually consistently running shows. So even if it was at 25% capacity, 50% capacity or no crowd shows, they were still running and posting online. So I definitely think that like COVID surprisingly helped me as a wrestler because uh while there was a lot of people that were either taking breaks or were just living in places that unfortunately they weren't able to do shows um i was very blessed that i was able to still do shows with the uh, future stars of wrestling and be able to put content out there yeah uh as well as i mean you look at how the world was like there's a lot of wrestlers that benefit during that time because you're wrestling to no reactions and you're seeing what's going to work, what's not going to work once the crowds came back. But, you know, I always like Drew McIntyre will have the asterisk next to his WWE reign because like he won the title in front of no fans. It was a great match, but no one's going to go back and watch it. But it was, you know, think of how many things blew up during um, COVID because we're all just sitting home, you know, and there are like, I mean, I've been talking with um, the owner of S FSW and he was just like, no, man, we were running consistent because we're doing this streaming service and people were watching it because it was an alternative to what was happening in the wrestling industry. So that is, uh, that is cool. And, and again, it's the reps that are always going to make you better. It's interesting. You said about um, flamboyant and you turned up a notch. Uh, I was as a kid, remembered a wrestler, exotic Adrian Street. And I never said about this man's sexuality because he also had Miss Linda with him. But I knew that this man was a badass. And like there was also like, you know, back in the day of wrestling magazines, there was, you know, you know, faces of fear of these wrestlers. And of course, you'd have the original Sheik and Abdul the Butcher, but you would also have exotic Adrian Street, who really, I went and watched his documentary in WWE. Like he did stuff that like David Bowie was doing, just like this different type of stuff. And people can portray it however they deem it, you know, because wrestling, you know, the villains used to play whatever the stereotypes are, uh, but as a stereotype of fear. And I always said this, like, same with Goldust. You didn't know what the fuck Goldust was. Um, you just knew he was different. Um, 
So it, it, it is cool that you had that mentality. Um, because like, like I said, wrestling always preys on fear and fear of fear of the unknown. Like if, you know, for, there was the Russians, the Germans, there's all these different things. And like a, a person where, you know, I don't, may not know this person's sexuality. I may not know what this person's doing, but that's also then getting in your op- opponent's head. Because as you know, there's people who are very, very homophobic. There's also people that are, eh, I don't care about that, whatever this person is. But then I also know this person's going to like rip my eyes out or beat the shit out of me. So it, it is cool that you 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 found that little niche. Now, I never saw this. Like, did you, I know like you have some flamboyant outfits, but like, did you paint your face? What did you determine how you were going to be different? So for me, it was in the subtle things, right? Like painting my nails is where it all started. Um, And going back to that, I actually, for one, I didn't used to paint my nails before the gimmick. Um, But I said, okay, if this is who I'm going to be 24-7, I have to feel comfortable with this because I was riding the bus at the time, Uh, going back again to around 2020, living in Vegas. So uh, I end up painting my nails and I'm like, okay, I like this. Now I need to get a little bit more, you know, flamboyant outfits. But at the same time, I wanted it to be like, do you know the rapper by the name of uh, Nicki Minaj? Yes, of course. I am cool. I'm, I'm making sure. I'm just, ha- you know, we I'm... hang out. You know <laughs> about my cool factor. <laughs> I forget. You're with the times. You're with the times. That's right. So... I have two young daughters. They keep me cool. I would say they keep me hip. But the moment I say that, then I'm old. <laughs> So uh, Nicki Minaj, she would dress sexy, but, you know, a lot of the times when she's out in public, she dresses with just like designer stuff, right? She just likes to show off how bougie she is. So to me, that's who I wanted this character to be, because in the world of professional wrestling, there's already a bunch of other flamboyant characters. I said, I want mine to be different. I want mine to be bougie. I want mine to be like, yes, I'm gay, but it's in the subtle things that you find that I'm gay, where you could mix femininity and masculinity and put it into one so for me it'll be painted nails it'll be the way i have my hair done it'll be the way i walk but at the same time it's in between the stuff i do so i could be aggressive on top of you you know shifting that gear and then once i know i'm in control i'll go ahead and find a camera and be like yep i just did that you're welcome nice um how do you get hooked up with impact Oh, so that one was actually um, thanks to Sinbodi, because at uh, the time, D'Lo was with Impact. And D'Lo messaged Sinbodi and said, hey, Eric Young is coming back from injury. We need somebody to get in the ring with him. Do you know anybody? And Sin called me and said, hey, Jay, I got an opportunity for you. Um, Do you think you could handle it? He told me what it was, and I said, yes, I am down to do it. Let's make it happen. So I end up going to Impact that day, you know, dressing my extras outfit. You know how the world of wrestling is, so, you know, you don't know if it's going to go through or not, but you're hopeful. And D'Lo comes to me, and he's like, Jay Vidal. And I'm like, yes, D'Lo, sir. He's like, come with me. You're going to get your ass kicked today. I said, yes, let's do it. Uh, introduces me to Eric Young, just one of the nicest guys. And 
we go out there, uh, the impact knew that I was like the, the hometown guy. So we did a whole segment where he's out there saying that, you know, he's going to lay a breakdown or, you know, break a breakdown one at a time from the establishment or whatever the case was. And then um, I go out there and we do a whole thing where like, you know, he's asking me if I'm excited to be in the ring with him. And, you know, uh, the crowd is actually cheering for me because it's a hot Vegas crowd. Um, and he just switches that gear where he's like, yeah, I see you're smiling, but you know, you got a disease and I'm the cure to that disease. Uh, we have a very quick match. I get my butt kicked and I take this really uh, nasty pile driver. Now, I believe it was you versus RVD. And I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's you versus RVD where you hit him with the pile driver and he jumps all the way up and gets that height on it. Greatest pile driver ever. Correct. Greatest pile driver ever. Well, Jay Vidal took the second greatest <laughs> pile driver ever. <laughs> uh, growing up, I uh, I remember watching that video and I always wanted to take a pile driver like that. So when I learned to take a pile driver early on in my career, I learned how to push off uh, the way RVD did. So uh, if you go back and watch that match with me and Eric Young uh, on Impact, I end up getting maybe not the same height as RVD because that's just, I think, unattainable. But it was uh, maybe like a feet or two lower, but I definitely got some height off the ground. It went viral. Um, and then I end up coming back to do a match with Jonah. And then nothing happens for about a year. And I see that impact is going to be back in Vegas. So Gail Kim uh, actually followed me on Twitter. Maybe I want to say six months before this. So I just said, you know what? You miss every shot that you don't take. I'm going to message Gail and I'll email her and see if she's got anything open. So I messaged her and emailed her. And after about, I actually want to say a week before the show, she uh, emailed me back and said, hey, Jay, we got something for you. Uh, come to TV. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. Um. If I could backtrack a little bit, I don't remember the pilot driver. I will go back and watch it, but I remember the second one. And I remember three people specifically, I'm not going to tell you who they were, came up to me and said, yo, that kid can work. And then another person like, and don't just do like gay shit with him. That kid can work. And I was just like, well, no one is just doing gay shit with anybody. <laughs> it is 2022. Um, but like, people vouch for you right away. And, and here's the other part of it. Like you were given a job, a task, and you went out there and you performed to your best ability because I remember then talking about you and they're like, man, that kid did good. It was the spot that was given and you did good in that spot. And yes, it was like, there is a waiting process because there's a whole roster of people that do have to work there um, that are already under contract. And it was like, well, we're going to give this person the ball another time. Um, I also think that comes through like with Scott Demore, because Scott Demore was in your spot a lot of times where he went out there, was there to get his ass kicked and made sure that he didn't mess up and he did a great job doing that. And, you know, uh, him and I joke about it like, you know, hey, he he's always like, I didn't have the greatest 
in-ring wrestling career, but I mean, now Scott's the boss. And it's also like, I paid my dues. I got mini pushes here. Then I, but I was making like money from at this X time in my life, almost as a teenager and working full time in, you know, throughout the business. And, it, but it is key. Like you said, there was no ego. Other people knew you from Indies and like, they saw that you were a good worker. And then it's like other people vouching for you. And so then we can, like you said, the rest is history. We'll, we'll fast forward to a spot opens up. And I remember like, it, it's also right place, right time. Uh, they want to do something with Giselle, kind of make her a even bigger star because it's like who you surround yourself with. And it was like, man, that, that one kid, Jay Vegas, but it all, and like, it all kind of worked together, but because you like how you said you got a reaction, you didn't just come out dead. Like, Oh, I know I'm coming out here to get my ass kicked. You came out there like you were going to fight and like try, you know? So it, those little things. And, you know, Dave has been that guy too. Um, my trainer was that guy for years, Johnny rods. And he always like, no matter what you gave him, you knew he was going to have a competitive match. Even if he got just completely squashed, you knew the next time he comes back, he's going to have like, it's always something different. So you, you, you answered the call and then, uh, another phone call happens for you. Got to put myself over a little Barry Horowitz tap on the shoulder. (laughs) Describe that. Dealing with one person that you had seen be drink human blood, unlike Gangrel. I well, he did it for real too. But uh, we got we started a text exchange, correct? So I let's let's go back to to that impact uh, taping in Vegas, uh, where I went over there. I meet up with Giselle. She's like, "Hey, I heard we're going to be doing something today," and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! I'm super excited. Let's do it." Creative tells me the plans. Um, we did everything great. Like I honestly had a lot of fun. Giselle and I bounced so well off of each other. And then I come back to a buddy's house I was staying at in Vegas because I actually uh, flew myself back out to Vegas. I didn't tell uh, you guys over there at Impact that I had moved by then because I really wanted to get the spot in Vegas. So I just uh, flew myself out, did the taping. And after the taping, I go back to my buddy's house, who I was uh, staying at his place. And I was supposed to fly back out uh, that weekend. And I get uh, first, I get a message from Scott. And Scott messages me on Twitter and says, hey, Jay, you did great. And I was like, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, It was, you know, a great experience. And he says, how would you like to work with us on a more consistent basis? I said, that sounds amazing. Now, to me, a more consistent basis is like, oh, you know, they'll bring me in for like one or two more shows and see how things go. And he says, okay, I'll have um, Tommy or Gail message you uh, sometime next week. I hop on my flight to from Vegas back to Florida. And I'm exhausted by this point. I get back to uh, my house and I lay down on my bed and for whatever reason, and I never do this because I just get a lot of spam calls. I just decide to look through my voicemails and it was like spam call, spam call. And then it was your uh, voicemail and you were like, Hey Jay, it's Tommy dreamer. 
give me a call back whenever you get a chance. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, cool. This is, this is, you know what I mean? There's a call. He's probably just going to let me know when the next show is and, you know, we're all black, you know, all the extra, the good extra <laughs> stuff. Um, but I'm super excited. I give you the call back. I'm hoping that I didn't miss my opportunity. And you guys just like said, screw it. Let's go find somebody else. And, um, you, pick up and you just I remember you let me know you're like hey uh, I don't got a lot of time to talk um but this is the deal we want to offer you a contract it's this 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 and you just went down the details and as you're talking I just felt like I was on cloud like it felt like I was in a dream and I was just like what is going on right now like even then talking about it now I still get that cloud nine feeling of course um but yeah you uh you ended up going through uh through all the details about it and instantly I was just like, yes, yes, you know, send it over and I will sign. I don't even think you actually even went through the full details about it. Like you could have <laughs> said, you're going to be working for free for, uh, for, you know, for five months before you, you get anything. And I think I was already just, I still would have signed it right away. Uh, here's kind of how we clicked as well. Um, for those of you who don't know, my mom was in the hospital and I was like still working. My mom had had a stroke and there was seriously a lot of days where I was like leaving the hospital. And I was like, I'm not going to see my mom tomorrow. My mom's going to die. And then I also had to do business. And I'm like, I also have to be up because I understand what the call means from, from somebody. And I told you my, I was like, you know, that, Hey man, my mom's in the hospital and you're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then like, even when the first time when I call you for the follow-up, you're like, hey, how's your mom? And it was just like, this is a good person because he, this is changing his life. But he also cares about, forget about Tommy Dreamer, the wrestler that he know, but like he's he's caring about somebody else. And you were just like, you know, you know, I'll say a prayer. Oh, oh my God, like all nice stuff. So I was like, man, this is a good human being. And I like this person. And uh, I'm happy to have made that call. I've kind of stood by my uh thing that I had even with WWE when I had the job. I have no problem hiring everybody. I want to see everybody make it and I love being a part of that process. I I don't want to fire people um because I just I realize or like I also have those personal personal connections. So that's kind of how like we hit it off and so I'm going from the ultimate sadness but I'm like man I'm making somebody else's day and I'm trying to change somebody else's life while somebody else that I love maybe dying tomorrow. And it was just like a cool, weird balance. So like, you know, that's kind of why I was like, I like this person and uh, this person's going to do either a great things, or I'm just going to help this person guide this person uh, through. So we get all your paperwork, all that stuff. Listen, man, I don't know half the things or remember half the things I say, but then uh, I hear different interviews. Well, first I go back and I got a uh, like impact post that, they've hired you. And I believe it said you were the first openly gay wrestler of impact wrestling. My first thing was like, I didn't even know he was gay. <laughs> like, because it's like, it doesn't care or resonate with me. My bigger thing was, I was like, there's no way he's the first because I know other wrestlers that were or are. And I'm like, and then I'm like, maybe he is the first. So, I mean, I do think that's cool that you're, you're open with your, like you're, you're okay with being yourself. And I, and I, and I feel that's important. And I feel that's the, like one of the biggest messages 
for for you when you have now a bigger platform? Because there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable with their sexuality. And, and I'm, I don't know if it was a struggle for you to uh, or if there was a coming out uh, for you. But like for some people, I assume it's hard. Other people, it's not. I, but like I never even I, I just think that's because why I love wrestling, because like and I always say it like I'm just dealing with you as Jay, the wrestler, a person that I like. Oh, he's gay. Cool. Oh, he's straight. Cool. Like, I don't care. Never have. Never will. So um, like, do you see that now? Because like, again, I look at you. OK, you're not the biggest and I don't mean the biggest, I mean, you know, the tallest you're talented. So, uh, okay. So you have a, an inspiring story to just how you made it this way, but then, okay, well, he's also a role model because he's the first openly gay wrestler, uh, signed to impact wrestling. Do you, does that resonate with you or. I think from time to time it does, but like, it really didn't click until so it was actually the, the and I'll give him a shout out because he does a lot too. He's helped me out a lot uh, with media stuff. The head of media relations um, at Impact, Ross. Yep. He gave me a call and he's like, hey, Jay, uh, we're going to break the the news story um, today or uh, in the next few days. Um, so could you just do a podcast without sports? And he just very quickly ran through. He's like, yeah, I think you're the first openly gay wrestler we signed. All right, have a good one. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I just hung up and I didn't even think much about it. I just go and I think I started making myself some food and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I was like, no, it's like, that's, that's actually pretty groundbreaking. You know, I remember um, when Darren Young came out in WWE, like to me, that almost really gave me hope that I could be an openly gay man in the world of professional wrestling. And I thought to myself, if that's how I felt, then somebody is going to feel inspired the same way by me openly being my authentic self and real quick I actually my first two years in wrestling I was in the closet because the promoter who is uh not to be named out of a CCW at the time who's not there anymore was um kind of homophobic and I would heal I would uh hear homophobic slurs being thrown in the locker room and you know I'd hear from wrestlers and they'd be like hey the promoter hopes that you're not gay. Just want to let you know that. Um, and it wasn't until Gangrel found out that I was gay. Cause I told one wrestler and the wrestler told Gangrel and he pulls me aside one day and he's like, Neil, you gay? And I was like, no, 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 no. Love women. He's like, no, you're gay. Huh? I was like, no, 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 no. I swear. He's like, you know, I, I spend my time dropping knowledge on you. I just hope that you would trust me enough to tell me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gay. And he's like, why don't you tell anybody? And I was like, you know, I'm just, I, I don't want uh, opportunities being taken from me in wrestling because it's all I've ever wanted to do. And he's like, F that. If a promoter won't book you because you're gay, then he's a terrible promoter and he shouldn't even be in wrestling anyways. You go and be your true self. And it was because of that that I came out uh, in the world of professional wrestling. So, you know, going from learning myself how to be able to, accept my sexuality to now where I get to be my authentic self. It it really is a weight off your shoulders. And I don't think about it up until when you mentioned it and getting those feelings back of, you know, well, I wasn't my authentic self back then. I always felt like I had something to hide. So I'm very grateful that now I don't got anything to hide. And 
you know, hopefully somebody sees me being the first openly gay uh, male wrestler at Impact and they say, hey, you know, I don't got anything to hide myself because it's nothing more than a sexuality. You know, it's the the difference in it, I really think, is who I'm going to be bringing to the show. You know, it, will, it won't be a woman. It'll be a man. That's really it. I talk with uh, other wrestlers in the locker room and we actually joke about how it's it's actually really the same. You know what I mean? Like you deal with the same thing, uh, whether it's a man or a woman, you know, you deal with the same, um, you know, clean up after yourself, uh, <laughs> you know, who are right. you texting? That whole like nothing really changes. Uh, you know, the difference is I just might make gay jokes instead of straight jokes. That's honestly it. I think wrestling is just more inclusive because I mean, it, it's, we're a band of misfits. We're, we're, we're destroying our bodies uh, and doing something that we love in a sport that's predetermined. Um, we're taking crazy bumps where we know we could get hurt or we're also entrusting, you know, these people we that we may not even know, but it, it's, that's, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're a band of misfits. ECW, we were, you know, we would say we're the misfit toys, like, because the business was doing one thing, we're doing another. Um, so, I mean, I, I I do like the fact that, especially in Impact, I mean, and I, I want to say uh, AEW, I'm not, uh, it should be across the board. It's that way in life. I learned about, like, I mean, again, wrestling, it's changed where, you know, you suck D was a big chant and wrestlers would you know, no, I don't, no, I don't. It's not appropriate anymore, which is fine. But uh, I learned about like severe homophobia. Um, again, like I said, through my daughters where they had a classmate who was in high school and the mother would burn her child with a curling iron. And I remember like talking to um, my gay friends and be like, how do I like, I can't relate to this person. Like I want to do it as a father and just like, you're not in a safe environment, you know, and this is their own child. Like this person needs to go to social services. This person needs to have their, their mom arrested because of, you know, what their mom is doing or, you know, Hey, that person wants to sleep over my house. Yes. That person could sleep over my house because it's going to be a safe environment, but I couldn't believe someone would do that because of somebody like, and that type of like, and it's, it's, it's it gets worse and i'm sorry you've had horrible stories and that's why i say like you have to use your platform for that to help others that could be because you didn't feel comfortable um and then now you're in a very comfortable space a thousand percent um i i do believe that it's funny you actually i don't know if you remember in louisville uh the yes. impact tapings in louisville you like made it clear that I was in a very comfortable environment. Um, I had some high heels on and I was walking by and one of the um, security for the venue, not uh, related at all to impact. He uh, was security for that venue. He just was giving me weird looks. And I remember I brought it up to one of the wrestlers and I was like, I was like, yeah, he's giving me weird looks. I can't tell if he's uh if he likes me or he doesn't like me. <laughs> um, and you came by and you're like, hey, you know, is anybody giving you problems? I was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And you're like, yeah, well, if anybody does give you a problem, you know, you come let me know and I'll kick their ass. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, like that genuinely 
made me feel like I was in a real comfortable environment to be my to be myself. And I thought that that was really cool. So I just want to thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard you say that before, but like, again, we're we're brothers. Uh, we share locker rooms. You're my little brother. You're the guy who I hired during a time where I was sad and I was like happy to hire you. So we are forever connected now that I know that Dave trained you and get uh sin trained you two people that I really like. It's like a further connection of all these people are like around. And then I know you'll pay it forward when you're the seasoned grizzled vet and, and somebody else, because uh, there's so many people like that. I mean, I just watched Jordan Grace's uh, great documentary and she's like, Hey, I've been wrestling since I'm 14. I'm a female. You get dealt with all these different things. I was quiet at first and people took my quietness as in like, I can't get along in the locker room, you know, and it's, you, you do, you have to deal with a lot of different people. I mean, impact probably employs 60 to 80 people a show. And these are people that you're going to be traveling with, working with. And, you know, not that everyone has to get along, but everyone has to be professional. And, you know, for that situation, you're at same building two, three days. If this guy's being a creeper or if this guy's being, you know, homophobic, it's going to stop. And as long as I still have the ability to fight people, I'll do it. And if not, I'll just get a bunch of the boys and we'll just take you outside and hurt you. Um, so you have to be like that, you know. Um you and Giselle do have a, a great uh, dynamic. Uh, you're excellent in your promos. You're excellent in your, because we haven't seen a whole lot of your in-ring, which I do think will eventually happen. But I mean, you got to think about, uh, if we think about Shawn Michaels and Diesel, Diesel did nothing for a long, long time, but he really was a big part of Shawn Michaels act. And then when Shawn Michaels became Shawn Michaels, what happens? Diesel becomes Diesel, you know? And, um, but like I said, you know, the company knows you can work, you have a great attitude and you keep delivering in whatever you do, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm going to get a little bit of offense. And you also like, if you do mess up, the best part I, I do feel about impact, because we all, we all mess up. You then have your coaches, the people behind the scenes you know, again, if I go to Scott DeMora, Scott was a really good manager and he'll give you advice. Hey, this is where you have to do this. This is where you have to do that. Or Lance Storm or Gail or myself when, when D'Lo was there, everyone is trying to help everyone get better. And that's a really cool environment. And it's not like you're bad and let me scold you and you're going to, you know, walk on eggshells that you're going to lose your job. It's, Hey, this is how you could do it better. Or, when you do go better, great job. Uh, do you have any goals uh, in Impact? Um, so before we get to the goals part, I do want to go back to, oh. to what you said about that. That's one of, I think, like you said, the best things about working at Impact. Like I remember um, one time I came out in heels and I did not practice going down that ramp in heels. So I didn't look comfortable going down in heels. And Gail pulled me aside and she was like, you need to work on how you look like in heels if you're going to wear heels. And then, but then she also proceeded to tell me what, you know, what I did that I could improve on and what I did good out there. And I never actually managed before, uh, before joining Impact. I was like, my first time managing was actually my first time um, 
going out there with Giselle. So it's like, you know, you're learning like trial by fire. Right. Um, but I, and I remember like a lot of times going back, uh, my first two times, uh, with impact going back to a hotel, like, man, I hope I don't mess up. I hope I don't, you know, if I do mess up, then, you know, then they'll see that, you know, I'm not really a, a manager type of guy. And then, you know, they'll get rid of me and there I go, you know, the flash in the pan, first openly gay wrestler, boop, out. But, um, I thought, and I still do think that it's really cool how you guys handle things over there, how it's that everybody wants to see the company grow because Chris Bay uh, is another Vegas guy. And I knew Chris Bay right before he got signed is when I met him. And he's always been very, you know, motivational. Like anytime that he goes back to FSW and even before I got signed, I would text him and congratulate him on something. And he just messed me back and be like, you're next up. Keep pushing. And I remember the the Louisville um, tapings, which were my first tapings with Impact since being signed. I remember looking around and I was like, this is really cool. And he's like, man, it's because we all just want to see this grow. Like we all want to see the uh, Impact reach its full potential. Like there are no egos, nobody stabbing anybody in the back. It's very much like we're a family. And I genuinely do feel that myself, that we are a family. And we all just want to see each other grow. Yeah. Uh, Chris is another one of my guys that I kind of saw him from FSW and uh, Willie Mack had, and this is why, like I'm saying, like paying it forward, Willie Mack, we needed a guy to work. And I remember seeing, and he was just like, man, this kid, Chris Bay is going to be good. I trust Willie Mack. Willie tells me the deal. And now Chris Bay, like, even like I said, man, like, Hey, this is one thing Now you know, he's part of the bullet club in Japan, crushing it in, in new Japan. And then now he's come, you're a bigger star. Now you're the impact world champions. I mean, that's how it does start. And he just came in for like, you know, one little match, uh, same type of situation. Hell, I think he beat me. Damn it. I got to use the pencil <laughs> against him. <clears throat> that hire was a bad hire since he pinned me. You better pin me. I'm going to make sure I give you hell. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure uh, not to pin you then. <laughs> uh, back to saying goals for you. Uh, oh, yeah. So goals. You know, growing up, um, I discovered uh, Impact Wrestling when I was about 12 or 13 years old through YouTube. And then I would uh, end up actually watching these, um, watching the shows live on, uh, on Spike TV at the time. And something that just always caught my eye was the X Division. And because here are these guys who are, you know, a lot of times smaller than everybody else, but they're putting on the best matches on the card. So a goal that I've always had is to win the X Division Championship. That is like first and foremost at Impact. And I always, in other podcasts I've done, I made the the statement that I think it would be beautiful. Just, you know, Giselle Shaw, right? Knockouts World Champion, Jay Vidal. X division champion toasting the champagne flying in the background. Imagine and fireworks going off in the air, fireworks going off, all the good yeah. stuff, I money dropping it. down. <laughs> uh, my other favorite part is while we hang out uh, in the locker rooms and like, and I always say this for people who, if you don't know, and you have somebody like, I trust you, like, I ask you questions all the time. You ask, you've asked me questions, not just about wrestling. And I'll be like, yo, I got to show you this and my Twitter and I get gay ads. 
And I'm like, dude, I think Twitter thinks I'm gay. And then you're like, I'm like, and you, I show you the ad and you're like, oh yeah, you're a total bear. And I'm like, great. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I know why Twitter thinks I'm gay because I'm always saying like, fuck Bubba and fuck Scott and fuck all these people. Like, fuck this dude. And you're like, yeah, hello. It le- reads it listens to what you're saying and then you're going to get ads because you're always cursing and you want to fuck these guys. <laughs> and I just lost it when you said that. <laughs> well, it's no, almost I like think- a Seinfeld episode. Twitter thinks I'm gay. Well, the best part was that you showed me the receipts for it. You're like, hold on. No, I got like actual like proof because I really didn't believe that. I was like, oh, he's just, you know, but no, you actually showed me. And I was like, oh, wow. He actually got a, a ad for a gay bear club. <laughs> Did you end up going or? <laughs> well, that's for the House of Hardcore podcast after dark. <laughs> well, buddy, I love you. And I'm happy you're a part of uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, how do we find you on social media? I love you too, Tommy, and I appreciate you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, at the J Vidal. That's the J-A-I-V-I-D-A-L. And, you know, give me a follow. and might just give you a follow back and might even message you back. Who knows? No nasty DMs, people. I get enough of them now that Twitter thinks I'm gay. <laughs> I should exactly. send, them send, them, send them to Tommy. Don't send them to me. <laughs> I send them all to Jay and he's like, this is disgusting. Let me take care of this for you. <laughs> I'm like, send them my way. Send them my way. All Jay Vidal will take care of them. <laughs> and if they're ugly, I'm like, you know what? You could keep that one. You, you could handle that one. <laughs> all righty. Well, this is uh, this week's episode of the House of Hardcore podcast with Impact Wrestling's own Jay Vidal. I'll see you next week. Peace.